Welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about Return to Love, the new album from the band Level Up, which is spelled LVL space UP, and it starts out like this. like a song like this that begins in a completely different place from the way it ends up and i remember when you introduced this album to me and you said oh they're kind of like nutri-milk hotel and yeah i think what you played there or what we played there that very beginning is in that mold for sure like minimal instrumentation and that sort of i don't know quite that kind of fuzziness around all of the sounds along with that very high energy yeah, I mean, there's the the like acoustic strumming over the electric guitar and the organ and the kind of nasal tenor mm-hmm. and the way that like the urgency of the lyrics, I think, all sounded like Neutral Milk Hotel to me. Yeah, there's this, you know, I, I didn't do as good a job as with some albums, I think, on getting lyrics with this album. And I think that's kind of consistent in a lot of the places. But uh, I mean, there's just this this kind of sense of kind of being young and kind of searching for something divine you know god is speaking is kind of that hope but and i feel like that's kind of also thematically kind of like a that other band neutral milk hotel but then i think some of the sounds that start coming in start to reference a lot of other styles doesn't it doesn't stay in that lane for very long Mm -hmm. where i think some of the keyboard sounds felt much more a recent like a got kind of an island vibes from some of that and then the guitars get very very screechy and a lot of feedback and so it's a lot of different stuff going on and it works well within just this short song and none of the songs in the album are very long yeah there's a lot of varied content here and there's only 10 tracks i think the record is 40 minutes but they cover a lot of territory and i have to set it up by saying you know these are four 20 something white guys from brooklyn which is always going to be create a higher bar for me because like, what is more of a cliche than a band that's four twenty-something white guys from Brooklyn? And and so it's kind of like, uh, it, it 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 puts me in a position of like, all right, prove that you're something interesting, and not just another band that I've heard twenty different copies of. And I felt like they 
presented a lot of different styles and a lot of versatility that surprised me. And then when I did some reading on them, I read that three of them are writing songs and doing the vocals on the songs that they write and they write kind of independently and then they bring them together as a band. And so I think you can really see the, the different styles at play in the album. Yeah. And so certainly in the first song, we get kind of the sampling and then it goes into a very different direction that I think is kind of more mid tempo and perhaps less referential. And that's a song called Blur. So many of these songs sound like a throwback of a mix of 90s references to me. And I, I I mean that in a good way. I like that. You know, we are of similar ages and that is the music that is nearest and dearest to my heart is the music of the mid to late 90s, I guess I would say, or early to mid 90s. Yeah, this uh, I, I like that it, it kind of does get into this groove of kind of mid a lot of these songs I think are pretty mid-tempo and at least several of them do kind of have this like again the kind of nasal vocals but then just a really good kind of steady rhythm that is easy to listen to it's like it's not particularly challenging and I don't know that how deep it is necessarily this one just seems to be kind of nostalgia like oh t- looking back and this photograph of us when we we're in high school and always it's weird to hear kind of nostalgia from who I think are pretty young Mm -hmm. musicians yeah but it's as it's so listenable Mm -hmm. and and then there are little touches like it's oh it's kind of straightforward but then there's just like this weird kind of I don't know it's not a siren but this kind of Mm -hmm. sound in the background Mm -hmm. and these little touches that keep it at least fresh within the like okay they're not really reaching for the stars here but they're at least experimenting in these little subtle ways that are still refreshing (laughs) yeah and i think clearly other people saw are seeing the potential there because this is a band that came together when these guys were in college and they made a couple records and then their lives were going different directions so they were maybe gonna break up but then it was like they decided okay we'll we'll take one more shot to see if we can like go big or go home and 
they got the attention of Sub Pop and who signed them and released this record. And now they seem like they're really kind of making a go of it. And we just got the first release of bands that are going to be playing at South by Southwest in 2017 in March. And that's kind of where you go if you really want to get your music heard before a wider audience and you're a new and upcoming band. And so it seems like they were kind of ready to pack it in. And now they're like, all right, we're really going to go for it and see if we can be successful. At this. Yeah, the hype machine is is getting going on these guys and i do like this fader headline that they're the band too good or the band so good that no one will let them break up <laughs> uh and I, but i'm glad they didn't it's yeah it's this it's catchy and you know retro without seeming stale mm-hmm. so and i think they kind of stay in this mid-tempo groove but i think for the catchiest song on the album it's called spirit was feel bad for describing these guys as not being ambitious because to me this song is just the perfectly structured pop song like it, it has this foundation of this kind of two two note pattern that's so simple and just draws you into the song but then the guitar sound gets really rich and they just are very disciplined i think in the use of these effects and so it has both this incredibly simple sound anchoring it and then this kind of rich kind of effects and feedback going on and then it's just this catchy 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 chorus of you know you look the same but half dead but acting your age and it's just evocative without being too specific and it kind of just i feel like it's just relatable and it's really pretty and it's got yeah it's just I'm kind of gushing a little because the song is yeah, so I'm great. It's hard, it's hard for me like to evaluate. this song as much as you did. And I think that when you say non-ambitious, I think it's sort of a pavement style of studied non-ambition, whereas where the songs are actually very carefully constructed and artfully played, but it's done in such a way as to make it seem like it wasn't much effort. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort to look like you didn't put a lot of effort exactly. into it, where they kept very simple. And I think I got tricked by that and then this is the song i feel like they pull back the curtain and it's just like it's so you know i think it's richly structured 
sort of instrumentally where there's just like layers and layers and so much other stuff going on, but it all fits together so seamlessly. Yeah, there are these interlocking guitar riffs that just sort of flow into each other and go on top of one another that really work in a way that is really pretty. Yeah, and there's, again, this sense of them, you know, look there's just that sort of yearning for something more and this almost like the you know if i'm gonna be pretentious some sort of like this idea of the platonic ideal that's like a perfect circle is what you're looking for but instead what you get is the sketch of a perfect circle and that's you know you're stuck in the cave you don't get to see what's outside but that they're still yearning and they're really undone by how pretty the song is and wow. it's so catchy it's... but i and i think you mentioned the kind of evocative lyrics and i think that's the case with all of these songs and there's this overarching theme of some sort of spirituality but then you know there's the first song is hidden driver which is kind of the of euphemistic unseen architect sort of view of a god and then a lot of these songs touch on some sort of spirituality or hidden meaning in the universe but then one of the interviews that i read with these guys one of them talked about how it's also reflecting the creative force that's within us and sort of you can view the hidden driver that way too of what is this the source of this inspiration that can feel kind of magical at times and especially when you are waiting for it and you can't get it and you can't do anything to force it out and then sometimes it just hits you of you know with a creative vision for something and i think that's one of the toughest parts of being an artist yeah the muse muse certainly is speaking to these guys but you know i think that they're not you know they're not fully spiritual yet i think they can get down and express some kind of ugliness too and i think that's the case in this next song it's called pain faded out there is the beginning of this refrain that kind of goes into a crazy jam out in the last two minutes of the song and the 
it just keeps repeating over and over again. You know, I hope you grow old and you never find love, which is such a great way to curse someone. Yeah. Well, what's great. It is. uh, What is crazy about this song is it's the longest song in the album and it's five and a half minutes, which is long for this album, Mm -hmm. but it's about two minutes of just instrumentals at the end. And then about a minute before that of just that refrain of, I hope you grow old and never find love, which is just vicious. And I'm blown away. I think though, because the title of the song is pain and you wonder where that is. And then it's that line immediately before that is just clever and brutal and does not reflect well on the protagonist, the sort of the narrator of the song who says, I want to hurt him and I'll watch him from my window painting reveries of his pain. It's just, it's so kind of pretentious and mean and small, but, but also I mean, under- I think comp- it, understandable. It the helplessness of somebody seeing somebody you care about hurt and just wanting to have the worst thing happen to them. And, you know, I always joke that I, I'm pretty sure I could kill someone if they were trying to hurt you or the dogs. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't bat an eye to tear their throat out with my teeth. Which and... is such a romantic sentiment. But... <laughs> no, really. And but, so I yeah. think that that's what this song is trying to reflect is like the helplessness of not being able to do that. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's, am I crazy that this is, this is a breakup song? So I, to me, that seems like he's, you know, he's singing to someone who then is with, there's some other guy that he wants to hurt. No, I think you got that all wrong. Okay. That's okay. (laughs) I'm not good at song interpretation. No, I mean, I don't want to, you know, interpret what the songwriter's intent was, but I took it as like someone that he loved was hurt by this guy and he's talking about like what he wants to do to this person. Okay, I guess because I heard the him in the third person and then the you in the second person, so being two different parties. Oh, I assumed he was talking to that person anyway i don't want this to be a dissection of what the lyrics do or don't mean but yeah but it is that relatable feeling of just of just lashing out for whatever reason Mm -hmm. uh open to interpretation and that especially what we hear at the end is that where that instrumental section is this entry into the album of this and i don't know how best to describe that kind of banging guitar and that's banging is sort of the best word i can come for it where it's just like super overdriven and so much louder than any of the instruments and uh, i think you described it as being almost like a metal sound yeah well actually what the what i was describing as almost a metal sound is the next song that we're going to talk about which starts out with a really heavy riff that you characterized as having a very 90s sound that you like into some band that you had heard yeah no we'll we'll play that and then i'll talk a little bit about that okay so that's called five men on the ridge
I'll just quickly get out of the way of my massive embarrassment at our off mic conversation, making clear to me how massively wrong my interpretation was. So it's uh, pay attention to lyrics and read them closely. Don't just leap at the first thing that occurs to you because it's probably wrong. Um, but anyway, let's talk about this song, which, yeah, it just brings that wall of sound. We actually didn't play the beginning because it has this sort of instrumental overture that takes like what a minute and a half even yeah. to get to mm. any lyrics at all but it starts out with these really heavy guitars that yes and so what it and the band that i was reminded of was this band hum from what like i think the mid to late 90s and then i went back and listened to them and they don't quite remind me as much of them as themselves as they did but they but i feel like there were so many bands like it, it was funny when you pointed them out specifically because i was like i can think of 30 to 40 different <laughs> bands from the mid 90s like kind of the stone temple pilots model of guitar of like heavy guitars that um that had this kind of sound which is not in fashion anymore yeah it's for sure out of fashion i think for that i think it was more that they really specialized in that kind of contrast between mm. the kind of throbbing guitars and then the kind of relatively gentle lyrics mm. where stone temple pilots to me was more of the just kind of most pretty aggressive across the board so mm. that contrast is kind of the thing here uh, and then we certainly hear that because we have that wall of sound contrasted with the sort of light like kind of doot 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 kind mm. of gentle section in the middle with this kind of weird western imagery of like the men on the ridge and there's fire in the in the woods well and there's also that sort of what i call spaghetti western guitar in there too yeah. which added a lot of texture yeah, it's and so th this to me, though I like I love that contrast. It's it's maybe out of fashion, but I'm glad to hear these guys dredging it back up and like, hey, maybe there's some more life in this. And again, to kind of take that Western imagery and then kind of have during that closing wall of sound, I think you know they're again more of this exploration of spirituality of you know trying to find meaning out there, and you're just in this kind of trying to survive out in the in the old west yeah it's pretty awesome <laughs> um and it's more of the uh, we haven't talked too much about the drumming i thought the drumming in pain which i forgot to talk about in the last when we were talking about that song was really intricate it, it it was an interesting way of kind of they had the rhythms kind of overlap it was almost polyrhythmic and then come together in the significant points and then here in this song it's a little bit more mid-tempo and if i have any criticism of this record it's that too many of the songs are at the same tempo but the drummer is still kind of doing some interesting things here and you know taking it from with the heavy guitars there's one sort of pacing and then sort of slowing it down and changing the mood of the song and he's the only one who doesn't write songs that all mm -hmm. the other three of them are doing their own vocals and writing the songs that they're doing the vocals on and so i think maybe he is sort of putting the most energy into just his instrument and it shows yeah so they I mean the mid-tempo thing, and usually I don't like mid-tempo. Usually I like it when they're really aggressive. And mm -hmm. on this, that's why I was surprised how much you like Spear was. It's, it's the mid-tempo songs that just really work for me because they just they hit this groove, and they're gentle but catchy, and they still have that momentum to them. And I think that's can be said for this next song. It's called "Cup from the Vine."
I don't really like to look on lyrics websites to look up the lyrics if I can't understand them because I think they're often wrong and it it screws up my own interpretation. But until we, you know, we listened to this record a bajillion times in preparation for the podcast and I couldn't understand what the chorus was there until you explained to me that it's cut from the vine, but the spirit made me wine, meaning made me into wine, which I think is such a beautiful sentiment and it makes the whole rest of the song make sense. And it's so pretty and it's basically about death. So I like as we enter the home stretch of the album that we heard that kind of Western themed almost kind of search for spirituality and here's more of kind of a garden theme mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. you know you know cultivating and trying to something becoming more than what it was when you cut it off the vine which is pretty inspirational and just really pretty and again sort of this down tempo moment and then leading into the penultimate track which cranks up the tempo it's called i Along with Hidden Driver were my favorite songs on the record. I just love the, uh, I think they're best when they're really doing the up-tempo stuff that, and maybe this just hits a sweet spot for what I like, but it's just got such a great beat and the lyrics are just evocative enough and just kind of in the background enough that they aren't what drives the song. What is driving it is the, the beat and the guitars and it's just such a high energy, simple, short song. Yeah. And to me, What's I usually like the up-tempo stuff, but what I love about this album is that it has so much to offer. It has the, the you know a couple of really up-tempo songs. It has a really low-tempo, some mid-tempo songs, and then some of those banging, you know, banging guitars that are such great nostalgia for me. And it's able to hit all those bases, and that it's so many different kind of referential '90s sounds, but they're integrated well. Like it doesn't feel like three or four different bands which you might have expected given the different songwriters and the different styles it feels cohesive they work together and then i looked at this album and you know we were thinking about which songs to talk about it's 10 tracks and there's not really any clunkers i mean mm-hmm. i think there's some standouts mm-hmm. but it's just the le- the level of quality is really consistent and it's you know maybe not always the most profound but they're really reaching for something here and it sounds great and it's just super listenable very very impressive 
Yeah, I'm really excited to hear what they're doing next, and they'll definitely be at the top of my list when I make our schedule for South by in 2017. Oh, they're going to sound amazing live, I have a hunch. Yeah. All right, so we've been talking about Return to Love, the record that's out on Sub Pop now by the band Level Up, which is, again, spelled L-V-L-U-P, and you've been listening to For the Record. And we'll go out with the last track on the album, which is called Naked in the River with the Creator. <laughs> 